All right, Mark chapter 5, Mark chapter 5. Let's get into it. Mark chapter 5, verse uh, 21. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. And he besought him greatly, saying, My little, my little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will move among us this morning, Lord, leading God and directing us into all truth. Lord, I pray, Father, it be like holy manna come down, Father, for your people to... For us to feast off of, Lord, and uh, Father, I just pray, Father, somebody underneath the sound of my voice that doesn't know Jesus Christ as the Lord, Lord and Savior, Father, I pray, Father, reach out with a, with a hand of faith, Lord God, and, and touch Him, Lord, and get saved. And Lord, I want to thank You for the saving power of Jesus Christ. Lord, I want to thank You for Your words. I want to thank You for these people that love You, Lord, that come out to hear from You, Father. And I pray, Father, You'll show up and feed them, Lord. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. So he comes off this boat. He comes off this ship. It says, much people gathered unto him. And then at the end of verse 24, it says, and much people followed him and thronged him. You know, when you watch movies about Jesus, they try to do the best they can, but they cannot give you an accurate view of what it was really like. This man, Jesus Christ, was surrounded by so many people. He's thronged by so many people that it said that he went off in the wilderness. He went off and was teaching way off in the wilderness where there was no food, there was no bread or anything. He said, you need to, the disciples said, come and send them away. They have nowhere to go buy food. Go send them away so they can go back into town and eat. There were 5,000 of them, not counting the women and the children. <laughs> That's outside of town, way outside of town. So when, you, when Jesus Christ would come into Galilee, would come into these diff, different towns, when it, the Bible says he was thronged, there were people surrounding him, it was like he just couldn't hardly even move. And you had the disciples, that's basically his security guards. The disciples, his security guards were trying to keep people off of him. You hear stories where the disciples say, hey, don't let those kids come near Jesus. And Jesus said, no, let them, don't suffer them, suffer them, come here. I want, I want, and he put them on his lap, and he'd give a parable about how you must be, have faith like a little child. So Jesus Christ, they're always trying to keep people off Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the most, the most special man to ever walk on this earth. No doubt about it. And whenever you see descriptions of Jesus Christ, we, sometimes we see that, we kind of we gloss over it and say, yeah, there was a lot of people there. No, there was a lot of people there. There was a lot of people thronging our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In verse 22, And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue. That would be, a synagogue would be like a, like a church of today. It was a Jewish, uh, what we would call church. It wasn't the temple, but they would, the Jews would meet together and read scripture. The rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. Recognize that when Jairus came to Jesus Christ, he didn't demand anything of Jesus Christ. He just got down on his feet humbly. Brothers and sisters, when you can have a humble spirit, when you can come to God the Father through Jesus Christ with a, with, in humbleness, there's incredible power in humbleness. Amen. And I, I, can't, I can't encourage you enough that if you can find a way to be humble, be humble before God, be humble before other men and women. If you can find a way to be humble, God will bless you in amazing ways. And God's, God can be moved by your humbleness. The most, Ahab, the wicked, the Bible says he's the most wicked king to ever rule Israel. Ahab, the wickedest king. Elijah shows up and says, you're going to die. 
and walks off, and Ahab cries out to God, and he goes up, and he humbles himself down, and God tells Elijah, hey, Elijah, it tells Elijah, hey, Ahab humbled himself down, go back and tell him, I'm not going to do it to him right now, I'll do it to him with his kids. The incredible power of humbleness, the most wicked man, he turned God to his side by just humbling himself down. And here's Jairus, and he throws himself at the feet of Jesus, in verse 23, and he besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. It says there at, the, at verse 23, it besought him greatly. How many people would have been yelling Jesus' name out? Jesus, Jesus, I, I, heal my son up, heal my husband up, heal, heal my wife up. Jesus, Jesus, you know, his name was just screamed out, hollered out, yelled out. But the only one that got his attention was Jarius. I wonder why that was. Maybe it was because, number one, he's willing to get down on his feet at the feet of Jesus and humble himself down. And he besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death, I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. Notice, Jarius comes with faith. He says, she shall live. He didn't come and say, Jesus, if you'll just come and lay your hands on her, she might live. He didn't say might, did he? See, that's the word we use. <laughs> when, somebody comes, when somebody comes over and says, hey, man, why don't you come over to my house? Let's, come, over, let, we'll, 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 come over and eat supper with me. And you'll say, yeah, I might do that someday. See, that's our way of saying I will never do that in a million years. But because I don't want to hurt your feelings, I'm going to say might. We don't say, no, no, I'm not doing that. We'll say, oh, I, I might do that, I might do that. But when somebody says, yeah, I'll be there, yeah, let's do that. You know what you got going. That's his attitude. Jairus' attitude is if I can just convince Jesus to show up in my life, something great's going to happen. <laughs> Will you do it, Lord? I know if you'll do it, she shall live. Not should live or might live. She shall live. So you're, getting to, you're starting to understand how Jairus, when all these people are thronged around Jesus, all these people are yelling out Jesus' name, now you're starting to understand how Jesus could get the how Jairus could get the attention of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's by his faith, his complete faith in Jesus Christ, and his humbleness to get down on his feet and ask Jesus Christ this. It says in verse 24, and Jesus went with him. Didn't go with anybody else. Didn't go with anybody else. There's Jesus, I mean, surrounded, thronged by people. And he's going this way. And Jairus shows up and gets down his knees and says, if you'll come, she'll live. And Jesus says, okay, let's go this way. So you can see all these throng of people just thronging around Jesus. And then they turn. And now they start going, where's he going? Where's he going? Going for one man. Thousands of people being moved. Because Jesus cares about one man and his daughter. Do you know if you're a sinner in here this morning, you come down to the altar, or you in that pew to start getting right with God and start calling out to Jesus Christ, he could be on the other side of the universe, and he'll show up down here. He will. He did for me. He'll show up. He might be on the other side of the universe, and when he hears a sinner, humbly say, Lord, I'm just an old sinner, Lord. I don't have a chance, Lord, Will you save me? Whoosh, here he comes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I will. Bring the whole throng with him. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, there she is. This is who I want to preach on this morning, a certain woman. Just a certain woman. 
Nothing special. Guys, it's just a certain woman. We're just certain people. It's just a certain woman. The Bible uses that word like she's just a common woman. She's just like me or you. She's just, just a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. She'd been dealing with some health issues for 12 years. And the Bible goes on to say about her, verse 26, and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better but rather grew worse. I think it's kind of comical in some ways when you have people talk about how the advancement of science in 2021, the medical community, we're so advanced, we're so, oh, we got it all figured out and we, we need to trust medicine, we need to trust the vaccines, we need to do this and we need to do that. And uh, no, I live in 2021 and I know a lot of people could read verse 20, 26 and apply it to themselves today. I've been to the doctor and he can't do nothing for me. I've been to that doctor. I've been to this doctor. I've spent this money. I've went and done this test. And I've spent $20,000 doing that test. And you know what the doctors say? I don't know. And they'll give me this. And I, just try that. And they try it and it doesn't help them. Anybody, know, anybody like that? That's in 2021. That's this lady right here 2,000 years ago. Dealing with the same thing that a lot of us are dealing with. Looking to be healed. And had suffered many things of many physicians. And had spent all that she had. Spent all her money. Brother Gary, bless his heart. He thought he'd get a good kick out of this. He brought this up. I appreciate you bringing this up, brother. He brought this up and he said, hey, check this out. He brought this up. He just come in the mail from, from, to Brother Gary. So why is this powerful healer missing from the King James Bible? Something's missing from your King James Bible. Inside, new gospel discovery stuns religious scholars in the scientific community. I'm like, wow, there's something missing out of my King James Bible. It's not missing out of the NIV. It's not missing out of the New Living Translation, but it's missing out of the King James Bible, supposedly. So I opened this up, and I got to looking at it. Did the, did the three wise men really give gold to the newborn Jesus? Or was it this healing miracle? And they had the hands of Jesus reaching out with this healing miracle. Found in a new edition of the gospel. Oh, it's a new edition of the gospel. I'm always missing out on those. 15,000 clinical studies show that this hidden gift, quotes, given to the newborn Jesus is beating every single one of man's most popular solutions for, listen to this, guys. This is what this is going to cure. Quick memory. More joint relief, sharper eyesight, enhanced mood, balanced blood sugar, healthier cholesterol, blood pressure, hair loss. No, I don't say hair loss. I would have bought it then. All without a doctor's visit. What is this miracle thing that they, they, they gave it to Jesus and my Bible was wrong? What was it? Let's turn the page. Let's find out what it was. Well, well, well. Everybody knows the three wise men came bearing three gifts, frankincense, myrrh, and Contrary to popular belief, the third item was not gold. It was turmeric. They gave him turmeric. And you say, why would they give Jesus turmeric? Because Mary was dealing with some health issues. You know, she just had the baby. So uh, frankincense and myrrh was, uh, were spices. And uh, what these, uh, this turmeric would do would help heal Mary up. With Mary's postpartum pain. That's what these studies were. They didn't give them gold. So even though every Greek manuscript known to man says gold there, they were wrong. It really was turmeric. Why would they say that? Because they want to get your money. Mr. Al Sears, I'm going to call him out by name here with his little fake smile right here. 
I like this part of this little thing, Gary. I don't know if you've seen this, but it says here about Al Sears. It has him in a little, like, Congo hat here, and he's got sunglasses on. It says, it says, I traveled the world to find three natural roots with outstanding health benefits. And it shows him he's holding a leaf right here. It looks like he, he, it looks like he took that picture outside of some kind of a, a hotel room or something like that. You know? <laughs> he's supposed to be over in the Congo. I traveled the world just for you. Now give me your money. She had suffered many things of many physicians and spent all that she had and was nothing better but rather grew worse. This guy's name was Al Sears, and he's, got, he's an MD. Medical dingling is what that stands for. Medical dingling, MD. What was the problem with this woman? The problem was she was going to the wrong physicians. And I don't have anything against doctors or science. I love doctors. I love science. I, don't get me wrong, guys, but I say, what, I, what I say to you is this, is that there's a lot of fakers out there, a lot of fakers. But there's only one Jesus Christ. And the, the physician, the first physician you need to go to is the great physician. Because no matter how healthy you are this morning, you might be sitting there and you might say, I've got a clean bill of health. The doctor says my cholesterol is good, my blood sugar's good. I'm like a 20-year-old and the, I, life is good. Yeah, but your soul. You've got a sin-sick soul. You need the great physician. And if you don't have a, you don't get your soul healed by the great physician, Jesus Christ, you're going to go to hell. That's what the Bible says. That's what Jesus said. You're doomed. You're damned. Verse 27, And when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. Let's stop there. It says there, verse 27, She had heard of Jesus. Sometime or another, this lady was complaining or somebody knew about her and she was around a crowd or something and somebody somewhere, somehow, sometime said, Have you heard of Jesus Christ of Nazareth? He's a healer. Somebody had to tell her. She had heard of Jesus. Why am I pointing this out so strongly? I'm pointing this out because I want to ask you a question. Have you... Have you told anybody about Jesus lately? You know, here's the honest truth. She might have been on the outside of a conversation. She might have been just walking down the market and there would have been two Christians or two people there at the market and they were buying some fruit or something and they might have said, man, I, I ran into Jesus and I saw him heal this person and Jesus this and Jesus that and they were talking about Jesus and she overheard him. Maybe somebody didn't specifically look her in the face and say, hey, you need to go try Jesus. And I'm here to tell you this morning, don't be afraid, don't be ashamed to talk about Jesus Christ in any place you're at. Don't be ashamed to talk about Him at, at a restaurant, at work, at the grocery store, in the grocery line. You don't have to whisper the name of Jesus. We can, name it, we can talk about Him boldly, out loud. Don't be ashamed of it. I remember one time we were at the... Uh, it was me and Chad Reese, some other guy brothers, we were out there eating and we were sitting right there and we had our Bibles open, probably trying to figure out how somebody was doing something wrong. And we were opening our Bibles, we were at the restaurant and this, we were so involved in what we were doing and, and the waitress come over there and she was asking us for drinks and you know, we got, we got our drinks and she come back. And then after about the, I hadn't even paid attention to her. And after a while she stops, she says, y'all, y'all take y'all's religion seriously. <laughs> And I looked up from my Bible and I said, we take Jesus Christ seriously. And it never even occurred to me that she was watching us. 
because I was so involved in getting close to Jesus Christ. Guys, just live your life. Live your Christian life. You don't have to be as bold as I can be and be as loudmouthed as I can be. Just live your Christian life. And other people will see you living that Christian life and they'll say, I've heard about Jesus. And when they get to the point where they have nowhere else to turn and they've been turned one way and another and everybody's turned against them, they can say, there was a time in my life when I heard about Jesus. I think I'll go try Jesus. They might have been a little child. They might have said, my mom used to take me to church or my dad used to take me to church. or I, w- I heard, a, heard a person talking about Jesus one time at work and I told them, I don't want to hear about that religious crazy nut. I don't want to hear about Jesus. That's all crazy. I don't believe in that stuff. But now... I'm at the bottom of the barrel. I think I'll give Jesus a try. This is her. Twelve years of living this way. And she says, I've heard of Jesus. Let's go. When she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. She comes in and Jesus is walking to Jairus' house to see his daughter. And she's, she's squeezing in. And you know how crowded, how thronged he is. And she's pushing people out of the way. And she gets down on her knees and she just reaches by and just... In Matthew, it says she touched his hem, just flicked it. For she said, verse 28, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Amen. There's three things you need to know about this right here. You need to know that she got down on her knees. There's the humbleness again. She humbled herself. She was striving and humbled and said, you know what, I don't care if anybody's going to look at me and make fun of me. I don't care if anybody's going to mock me for being down on my knees. I'm, and who knows, she might have got down on her belly. But he's, she, boom, just touched the hem. Humbleness. And then it says there in verse 28, for she said, if I may touch. There's an important, important factor in all this. It's called free will. It's her will. She said, if I may touch. She could have said, I'm not going to touch it. He's going to have to stop and and talk to me. Jesus is going to have to stop and ask me, do you have any problems in your life? Are you having any kind of health issues? And if he don't stop and talk to me, I'm not going to. I'm not going to have anything to do with this man, Jesus. No, she said, if I may touch. If 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 I can just get in there, I want to. See, there's some of us that sinners that will do anything for Jesus Christ because he healed us of so much we'll do anything Jesus Christ is the best thing going and it don't take us long to figure that out I mean you're not going to convince us there's anybody better than Jesus Christ well have you tried Muhammad what did Muhammad do for me have you tried Buddha what did he do for me this man Jesus died for me died for my sins cleansed me washed me took away my shame That's the Jesus I'm talking about. That's the Jesus I want. That's the Jesus I want to get around. That's the Jesus I'm willing to get down and humble myself in front of everybody and say, I'll just touch him. I'll just touch him. If I may touch, but his clothes, I shall. There's that word again. Not might. I could be, maybe, possibly. I shall be whole. She had faith. Goes back to Jarius, the very beginning of this sermon. Jarius had faith. Jarius' faith had shown when he bowed down and says, She shall live. 
And Jesus immediately, no, look at verse 29, I skipped the verse. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Woo, Woo! glory to God. That's how I felt when I got saved. Well, I got down, went down the church, went down in front of the, 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 in front of the church and said, got put my hand in the pastor's hand. It was Brother Packer. And I said, Brother Packer, I said, I, I want to get saved. Son, you, you know Jesus died for your sin. Yes, sir. I know I'm a sinner. Well, let's pray. Let's pray and ask him. So you pray. And I prayed, man, and I'm telling you, just whew, this weight was lifted off of me. This weight was lifted off of me. And I remember going home, was riding in the car of my mom, and uh, I remember the joy I felt. I'll never forget that. I knew I was made whole. It was amazing. It was amazing. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up. We're talking about straightway. We're talking about immediately. This wasn't a faker. Jesus didn't turn around and say, come here, girl. Whack, hit her on the head. And she, oh, oh. And Peter and James, you know, they, they, she's slain and they're holding her back. And, and, oh, and then she gets up and she's staggering. And, oh, I think, I, I think she just touches it. And immediately... Straightway, she's healed. If you come to Jesus Christ by faith, knowing you're a sinner, and you come to Jesus Christ, say, Lord Jesus Christ, and get down on your knees, say, I'm a sinner. Boom! Immediately, you're going to feel what I'm talking about. You're going to feel that sin go, whoo! And you're going to say, whoo, glory to God! Man, it's so exciting when you see somebody get saved that's a real sinner. That really needs it. That really wants it. Oh, Jack Chick pastored out there at Bangs. Uh, Bangs, Texas, pastored out there for years and years. He said when, he, when he'd go home from his job before he was saved, he'd go home and the dog was scared of him. The dog would run and hide underneath the house. It was just a wicked man. Wicked man. Said, so one day he's leaving. He's leaving the house. And he's going out to go gambling and go play some cards and stuff. And his little kid was there, little boy. His little boy stopped him and said, Daddy. He said, yeah, son. And his little boy looked up at him and said, Daddy, ain't you ever going to get saved? Ain't you ever going to come to church? Go on to play, son. Jack Chick said he walked off, went through the gate, closed the gate, went into the car, <laughs> and the whole time he's driving. Ain't you ever going to get saved? Ain't you ever going to come to church? That little sweet boy, he got convicted. He said, I couldn't take it anymore. Jack said, Chick said, I couldn't take it anymore. He pulled over on the side of the road, pulled off in the bar dish, got out of the car and got down on his knees and he got, accepted Jesus and got saved. Praise the Lord. You know what happened when he got home? He said when he got home, he said the dog could see a difference in me. When I got home, the dog ran up to the gate to meet me. There's a difference when you meet Jesus Christ. There's a difference. There's a feeling. And she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. When you, when you know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, I can feel it, but you can't. And I can talk about it, I can describe it, I can hoot and holler, I can praise the Lord, but if you're out there and you're lost, you have not a clue what I'm talking about. You don't even realize how deep and dark and pitiful you are right now. You need Jesus Christ. And if you'll come down and humble yourself down and touch Jesus Christ by faith, you will feel this and you'll never forget it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue, power, virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? 
Oh, I like what he says there. And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? He's walking along, and she reaches down and goes, Hey, help! Oh, somebody touched me. There's power in the lamb. There's power in the clothes, in the clothes of the lamb. There's power in the hands of the lamb. In the touch of the lamb, there's power. There's power in the voice of the lamb. Virtue, power. Jesus Christ's very clothes had power. If you were willing to touch his clothes, you would be healed. But Brother Keegan, there's not power because look at all these people. It says they thronged him. There's much people. There's, surely there was lots of people. And right there in verse 31, his disciples said, Thou seest the multitude thronged thee, and says, Thou who touched me. Peter's basically saying, that one of the disciples is basically saying, You've seen all these people touching you? What are you saying? Somebody touched me. There's lots of people touching me. See, so that proves Jesus' clothes didn't have power. Oh, yeah, they have power. Ask that girl right there. Ask that woman right there. They have power. Well, what's the difference, brother? Well, the difference is she touched him with faith. These other people, they were touching him to learn something from him. They were touching him out of curiosity. They were touching him to see what he was like. They were touching him, but she reached out and with just a flick, touched him with faith. Faith. Who touched my clothes? <laughs> The, the, whoa, man, I mean, could you, could you imagine the power that you could have if you could touch Jesus Christ's clothes with faith? I mean, we're talking about she'd been everywhere, gone to all the doctors, spent all her money, and she simply just got down and said, if I could just do it, I know it's going to work. And she's healed. Woo! And everybody's like, what's wrong with that girl back there? I don't know. She's kind of half crazy. I don't know why she's shouting and screaming. I don't know what's going on. And Jesus said, okay, oh, everybody stop. Who touched me? Who touched you? Somebody touched me. Verse 32. And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. Uh-oh. Don't you know in her heart there was a little bit of doubt that something bad was about to happen? She was about to get chewed out or yelled at or screamed at by Jesus? Because he stopped. Okay, oh, somebody touched me. I just felt virtue go out. Who was it? Don't you know she was like, uh-oh. And everybody around her was saying, she did it, she did it. Just like kids in school. She's the one that, she right there. I saw her, I saw her get down on her knees, Jesus. And I saw her, she touched you. The world's full of rats. There's love to rat you out. And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. See, the truth is, Jesus cares for you. And he cares for those that he saved. He cares for those that he's healed. Jesus cares for you. And so many Christians, they come in and maybe they're in a church like this or maybe they're listening to a church service or maybe at one time they got saved and they, get, and they, they got saved. They had an encounter with Jesus Christ and they reached down and they touched Jesus Christ with the hand of faith. They touched Him with the hand of faith. And they touched Jesus Christ and they were made whole. And then they left and they walked away and they wandered off out into the boondocks or wandered off out in the wilderness, out in the world. And here's Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ turns around and says, where are they at? Where are they at? You know, I just preached a sermon not too long ago on where are the nine? He healed up those ten lepers, 
Well, only one leper came back to give him praise. And Jesus Christ said, where are the other nine? Where are the nine? Then I hear, heal ten of you guys. And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. There it says she's fearing and trembling. Just tell Jesus the truth. Verse 33, before him and told him all the truth. You don't have to tell me all the truth. It's none of my business. Amen. It's none of my business. You don't have to come and confess to me like I'm some Catholic priest, but you need to tell Jesus all the truth. Things will go a lot better. Amen. She came fearing and trembling, and she told him all the truth. She told him the story we just got to reading. So Jesus is going to get mad at her, right? He's going to know. This is what he says. Verse 34, And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. This is why it's so wonderful to get back into church, so wonderful to stay in church, so wonderful to find a good church home, wherever it might be. I'm not talking about being out here. I'm talking about wherever. Just get in a church. Get in a good church home because get around God's people. What, what's going on here is this. If she would have got up and said, okay, I'm going to skedaddle out of here. And Jesus turned around and said, where is she at? And they couldn't have found her. She would have always, for the rest of her life, wondered if that plague was coming back. Is it going to come back? Oh, every day, wake up. Is this the day he's going to come back? Just that dread, that dread. And when she's willing to just get down and tell the truth to Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ tells her, Thy faith that made thee whole, go in peace and be whole of thy plague. He's given her assurance. So many Christians are living out in the world and they're miserable and they're not happy. And, I, and my, my advice to any Christian is, and this is my advice to anybody I counsel at any time, anywhere around a dinner table, wherever I might counsel, another Christian is, this is always my first bit of advice and always my best advice. Get in the church. Get into church. Get in, I'm not saying out here, because a lot of people like, that I talk to, they're not even, they can't come out here. It's too far. I'm talking about just get into a church, a good Bible-believing church that preaches the Word of God. Get into that church. Get in the church. And you'd be amazed how God can work on you and work through you and work through people to you and help convince you and assure you that everything's okay. Verse 35, while he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? So this time as Jesus turns around, he's trying to get, he's dealing with this woman here that's had that certain issue for 12 years. About that time they come and say, hey, don't waste your time anymore, Jesus. Don't bother Jesus Christ anymore. She's already died. Don't trouble him. Well, here's a great truth you need to know. You're never troubling Jesus Christ. <laughs> Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? You're, not, you're never troubling Jesus Christ. It's never a trouble for Jesus Christ to cleanse you and wash you. But, oh, pastor, if you knew all the sins I've done, if you knew all the things I've done, it's no trouble with Jesus Christ. He can cleanse the most, he can cleanse the most wicked sinner, and he can cleanse the most uh, righteous man. He can cleanse either, either one. He's the great physician. <laughs> right? How great a physician is he? Are you dead? Give him a little bit of time. He's on his way. Tell that to Al Sears, MD. I've got your cure. I, well, can you cure the dead, Al? Oh, well, that's a, I don't know anybody could do that. Well, I know somebody who does. I know somebody who did. 
And he can still do it. His name is Jesus Christ. You're no physician, you're no physician at all. My Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, he's the great physician. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. Yes. That word only, underline that in your Bible. He didn't say only believe and do this work, only believe and go ahead and go do this. He said only believe. Only believe. Keep the faith. Brothers and sisters, keep the faith. There's going to come times where you're going to sit there and you're going to say, man, this is dead. There's no way. There's no way God can resurrect this marriage. There's no way God can resurrect this man. There's no way God can do something in a man's life or a woman's life. There's no way. They're dead to the world. They're, they're dead in sin. There's no way. There's no way. And Jesus Christ says, yeah, there's a way. <laughs> there's a way. Only believe. Well, I've been praying and praying and praying and praying and keep on praying. Only believe. Be not afraid. Only believe. My mom took her last breath not knowing anything what I was going to be in life. My mom took her last breath. I barely had a job. I was a high school dropout. She's taking her last breath in her bed and she's looking at me and she's like, I, I, look at, I, my son is ruined. She had no idea that Jesus Christ was going to be whispering in her ear, don't worry, only believe. She had no idea what I would be, a preacher, somebody that loves Jesus Christ with all my heart, trying to be a good man for the Lord and read my Bible. She had no idea. She couldn't even comprehend that. And I know she was praying for me. Only believe. Only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. That's the, that's the inner circle. Those three were very special, Jesus Christ. They were, they were the three that he always chose. Verse 38, He cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. Everybody's hollering and crying, of course. And verse 39, when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel's not dead, but sleepeth. <laughs> oh man would you, how would you like that that's why, that's why Jesus Christ is either he's, either he's either a liar or lunatic or he's the Lord can you imagine being at a funeral and you're crying over your lost loved one they're in the casket and, and some, some guy comes in and says hey what are y'all doing crying over here this, why are y'all making this a big ado about they're just sleeping over there you turn to them this guy's a lunatic unless Unless he's Lord and can do something. Verse 40. And they laughed him to scorn. They laughed him to scorn. They had no faith. They had no belief. They just, this guy, I can't believe this guy. Thanks, Jesus. This is, who, who brought this idiot into the house? This Jesus. I've heard about this Jesus. I don't believe it. I think he's a faker. I really don't believe. They're just laughing him to scorn. So what's going to happen to these? But when he had put them all out, <laughs> Jesus gives them the boot. He goes in the house. He said, why are y'all making this big a do? She's not dead. She's just sleeping. Oh, who are you to be? Like? Get them out of here. Who, Lord? Every one of them. Get them out. <laughs> Move them out. Get them out. The mom and dad can stay. Peter, James, John, y'all three stay. Everybody else, out! That's some good advice to you guys. You got some unbelievers in your life that are laughing at you and mocking you and laughing scornfully? Give them the boot. 
Boot them out. Are you watching? See, that's happened to me a lot lately. I just want to sit down for a couple of minutes and watch some TV and be entertained. I don't want to see sex. I don't want to see, uh, I don't hear cussing. I just want, just entertain me a little bit. And so, you know, you turn on TV and what are they, they're mocking Christians. They're making, they're, and I, you know what I've learned to do? Boop, I just boot them out of my life. I listen to that. I got some friends that laughed and, and mocked about me being a Christian and everything. You know what I've done with them? Boop, boop, just give them boot. Boot them out. Boot them out. Brothers and sisters, listen to me. I've had other Christians laugh and mock. You're going up to the courthouse and you're holding up a scripture sign? That's the stupidest. What, are you crazy? You're, just, you're, really, you're doing something against the church. You know what I do with those kind of I just turn them around. I look at their little honey and I boop, boot them out. Get them out of your life. Jesus is moving. Jesus is about to do something. And if they can't handle it, boot them out. I want to sit around and watch. I want to see the Lord move. And He's not going to move if you don't believe. He don't work that way. He's not going to put up with it. He said way before He got to the house, He turned and said, hey, only believe. Let's go. He's not going to put up with the foolishness. See, people got this idea. Oh, Jesus. He's like, oh, you're laughing at me. That's okay. Come here. I'm going to hug you. I love you so much for laughing at me. No, Jesus. Come here. Come here. Yeah, yeah. Get out. I thought, you, I thought Jesus was going to hug me. No, he's telling you to get out. Get out. And when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel, and then they're with him and entered in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand. And he said unto her, Talatha kuma, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years, and they were astonished with a great astonishment. That's my Jesus Christ. I love preaching about this Jesus Christ. Because I'm here to tell you this morning in closing that I pray if you're dead to this world, I pray that if you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, and you feel dead inside, I pray that through the Holy Spirit, the hand of Jesus would touch you. And you would allow Him to touch you. And here you go. You'll have that life in you. You'll be a new creature in Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus Christ would have made a really, really bad Baptist preacher. Because he never preached a funeral. Never, not a one. Jesus didn't preach funerals. Jesus busted them up. Yes! You can't be dead around Jesus Christ. He's walking around and they're bringing out this woman. Her son's laying there dead. And he's walking by the funeral. And the Bible says he just stopped and said, Hey, get up out of there. <laughs> Come on. And that guy, her son raises up. Glory to God! You can't stay dead around Jesus Christ. He's got eternal life. He says, she's just sleeping. Come over here. Come, on. Let's just, come up. Arise. 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 There was a time when I needed Jesus Christ. I knew I was dead to the world. I knew I was dying in death and sin. And I was going to go to hell. And Jesus Christ, I came down and got down on my knees humbly. And by faith, asked him to save me. And Jesus Christ reached down with that hand and said, Keegan, arise. And I got up straightway. And she walked 
for she was the age of 12 years. Whoa! Okay. That woman had the issue of blood for 12 years. This little girl, this 12, she's 12 years old. So at the exact same time she was getting this issue of blood, this girl was born into the world. So what that's telling you is this. It, you, this woman that had the 12th issue of blood for 12 years, your battle with sin, your battle with uh, trying to come to Jesus Christ, it might be a long, tedious battle. Or it might be a sudden realization like this 12-year-old that one day you just wake up at 12 years old, boom, I'm dead in sin. I need a Savior. Either it's a long battle of sin or a sudden realization. It don't matter if you're young or old, Jesus Christ will heal your soul. And that's what he's here for. That's what he does. And they were astonished with, great, with a great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it and commanded that something should be given her to eat. Give her something to eat. When you get saved, when you're born again, you need to start eating off the Word of God. You need to start eating off the Word of God. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. When was the last time you let Jesus Christ do something astonishing in your life? When is the last time you allowed Jesus Christ by faith just to work in your life and you can say, that's astonishing. Please, don't be a brother or sister that looks at a man or a woman that's in sin or is lost going to hell and say, there's nothing God can do for that one. <laughs> they're, they're done. There's no hope for that one. That's not my Jesus. My Jesus says, only believe. Only believe. Is there any hope? Jesus Christ says, only believe. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you're a savior of sinners. Lord, I thank you, Father, that you're willing to save any man, no, no matter how wicked they are, Lord God. Your, your blood is that precious that it can cleanse anything, Lord God. It can cleanse any sin off, off a man or woman, Lord. And I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will move among us and Lord, I pray, Father, somebody needs the sound of my voice that they can't say that they're saved, Lord. They can't say that they're whole. They can't say they've ever been arisen. And Lord, I pray, Father, that through your Holy Spirit, you'll speak the heart of truth. They need to get saved. They need to come down by faith and humbly ask you to save them, Lord God. And I know you're in the saving business. And I know there might be a thousand people thronging you, 10,000 people around you, Lord Jesus. But if they were to call out to you, you would stop everything. And run over to him, Lord. And I thank you for being that kind of caring, loving Savior. Lord, I thank you, Father, for not being a liar or a lunatic. I thank you for being the Lord. And thank you, Lord, for coming into my life when I needed you most. And lifting me up, Lord God. And I've never been the same. And I thank you for it. And I pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, we're going to have an invitation. If you need to make a decision for the Lord this morning, this is your opportunity. Hello friends, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God.
So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him